It's amazing how differently I feel about parenting now being a parent. Take a journey with me. Back to 1998. I'm at high school, and one of the coolest things you can have at this point in my life was a pair of Oakley sunglasses. And I was jonesing hard for some Oakley sunglasses, particularly this pair, a pair of Oakley eye jackets. Uh, and I wanted them in the tortoise shell with the, the gold lenses, but that, like, now that's what I wanted. And they're super expensive for probably no reason, but that's okay. That's what they were, and I really wanted them. Like, oh man, I had to have them. And I had a job, I had a little money, and so I, I said to my dad, you know, I'm going to get these glasses. My dad told me, no, you cannot get those glasses. You're saving money. You're saving for something. Uh, you can't just go buy whatever you want. And so, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, you can't do that. What I heard was, you should totally do that and just not tell me. <laughs> so I went and got these, these glasses, and I'm not a total idiot. I didn't wear them the next day. That's a rookie mistake. I waited about a month before I slowly started to bring them into the rotation. Just kind of like ease them in, you know, do it slowly. I'll never notice. They've been there the whole time. So I'm wearing these glasses, and my dad says to me one day, those are nice glasses. Where'd you get those? A friend. Yeah. Assuming it would stop there. Like I've never met my dad before. And he says, really? What's your friend's name? And I'm like, ah, Steve. It's really cool as Steve. Yeah, that was cool as Steve. Yeah, you know what? I'd love to give, what's Steve's number? I'd love to give him a call and say thank you. I mean, that's a really nice gift. It's like, ah. Uh, uh. And I don't have a cell phone. I can't call a friend and be like, your name is Steve. You gave me these glasses. That's all you need to know. So I got found out. I mean, I got majorly busted for that. Majorly busted. I got grounded and I got the, like, the disappointment talk and the look. And it was like, that's worse. It's like, oh, man. Man, I got, I got, I got in trouble. And that was not fun at the time. That was miserable. But as I look back, I appreciate that my parents loved me enough to speak truth into my life and to, to challenge me and to hold me accountable, even though it was miserable then, right? Like, I'm not saying it to my dad, Father, I just want to thank you for investing yourself in my life in a real and substantive way, in a way that is currently manifesting as I'm getting grounded for the next month. Thank you for doing the hard work of parenting, Father, and investing in my long-term future. That's not how that went. It's, no, it went, you're the worst. This is awful. You guys don't even understand. I don't even know what I'm saying they don't understand. I don't know, but that's just what you said. I, I got busted. I got, I got disciplined. And, and I'm grateful in retrospect because it, it communicated that they loved me enough to step into my story. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our series on Messy, about how to family better and what Proverbs says about family. We're going to talk about the idea of discipline. I know, that's the fun topic, right? It's like, ooh, discipline, yeah. No, discipline is not super fun. Parenting is hard, right? Parenting is hard work. You can identify the parents of young children in here this morning. If you look at them and they're not 100% sure where they are, and they're a little bit bleary-eyed, and they're just thankful they're wearing clothes, doesn't matter if it matches. 
And you can tell the parents of teenagers that are here this morning because they just have this look on their face like it gets better, right? It gets better? Tell me it gets better. Does it get better? And you can tell the empty nesters that are here this morning because they're like, life is good. (laughs) Discipline's a big part of parenting. Parenting is hard, right? There's no manual. There are no experts. There are just people struggling through it. And discipline is a big part of parenting. And it's not the fun part. It's, it's hard, right? We, we want to do fun things for our kids. It's like, man, I don't want to be the bad guy. Like, or sometimes you just want peace. It's like, oh, I just want to sit down. I don't want to deal with this. But discipline is incredibly important. It never seems like a good thing to the person being disciplined, though. Like ever. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. So we're going to talk about a, little, a little bit about discipline. Now listen, it, there's going to be people here this morning that you, you have kids, all right? And this is going to hit you. You've There's going to be people here who you don't have kids yet, but you want to have kids. And this is going to hit you as well. There's going to be people in here that have kids, and based on how much they slept last night, you're not sure you want kids. But even if you don't have kids, the way this lands for us is Proverbs talks about parenting, or talks about discipline in, in a way that reflects God's attitude of discipline towards us. We can understand discipline through the lens of parenting, but what we need to do is put ourselves in the place of the children as they're being talked about and see God as the father who's discussed. Because we get to see God's heart towards us, his attitude towards us, and why discipline is a thing, why why it exists. We're going to look at three aspects of discipline this morning. And the first one is this. Discipline is protection, not punishment. Discipline is protection, not punishment. Proverbs 6.23 talks about discipline like this. It says, For their commands, for parents' commands, for their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. Discipline is the way to life. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your children while there is hope. I'm not kidding. That's literally what it says. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And in the Hebrew, what this is talking about is really it's saying, They'll go to their death. It's pointing out that children don't really know what they're doing. And that without parents stepping into their lives, they're going to do some pretty dumb stuff. And the way to parent them is not to go, oh, you know what? Just all they need to do is learn for themselves. They get bounced around by traffic a couple of times and they'll stop running out into the street. They don't know. My kids would drink Clorox if I left it on the table. Like, they don't know. That's why we, we, we got to step into that. And it's saying, discipline your children while there's hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. Discipline is protection. It's not punishment. Kids rarely see the big picture, right? Kids rarely see the big picture. That's why you have to say things like, don't run with scissors. You'll cut yourself. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. Don't get into a stranger's car. I don't care what candy they had. Don't use all the data on the family plan. That's why you have to say that stuff. Don't be a friend. Be a parent. we got to lean into that and look to protect them. There's a fundamental difference between protection and punishment. Fundamental difference. Discipline is restorative in nature. Discipline is meant to protect and meant to teach. Discipline involves intentional consequences, really something that's been earned for, for wrong action. Punishment is different. Punishment's punitive. Punishment's meant to give a penalty. We don't use punishment positively. 
Punishment is you're, you're cast away, you're sent away, you're, you're given something negative for what you've done to learn a lesson. And that's not what discipline is. It's protection, not punishment. Now, as we talk about discipline, particularly in this realm, some of you are thinking, well, what does that mean about physical discipline? I want, I want to say this up front. We're probably all over the map when it comes to physical discipline. What you choose to do is a decision between you as parents and between you and God. But I will say one thing absolutely unequivocally. Whatever you do, do not do it in anger. That's not discipline. Do not do it in anger. And that's why it's hard because I don't always have the ability to calm myself down in that moment. That's where you earn your money, parents. You didn't realize there was money involved, but that's where you earn your money is going, how, how do I do this well? Because I am just steaming mad. But let me ask you, do you learn well when someone rages at you? Are those positive memories? When you think back to your best teacher you ever had, the best class you ever experienced in college, in high school, wherever it was, did your teacher scream at you and you love that? Is, is that what landed for you? Were you sitting in art history class and they're like, the Duomo was built in the 17th century. And you're like, yeah, that's amazing. No. I've had the opportunity over the years to speak to hundreds and hundreds of students, and I'm telling you that punishment done in anger leaves scars. It does not communicate what you want to communicate. Whatever you do, do not do it in anger. The anger is your issue. It's not theirs. As we talk about the idea of consequences, as the idea of discipline, I also want to say as we get started there's a difference between consequences for your specific sin and the reality of sin in the world. Sometimes we are disciplined as a result of what we've done, as a result of sin, and I'll talk more about that later. But sometimes bad stuff just happens because there is sin in the world. And that means there's evil in the world and there's a brokenness in the world. And that's why we look forward to the future hope of Jesus to remove that pain that was never supposed to be part of this plan. That's what we introduced. Sometimes stuff just happens, and it hurts, and it's not always a result of discipline. The big picture is a big part of discipline. That's why we lean into that, because we want to teach, and we want to protect, and we want to think about the long term. That's what we're trying to engage with. The truth is, I rarely see the big picture. We rarely see the big picture. Doing what I think is right, doing what... I think is true. Doing what I want to do leads me to ruin. I mean, that's what Proverbs 19 is saying. Discipline your children. If you don't, if you don't lean into that, they don't know what they're doing. And that's, that's me too. When we think about our relationship with God, if we put ourselves in the place of the children, this is true for us. And the hope here about discipline is that God steps in to teach us and protect us from ourselves. Filling our lives and our hearts with other things than him will always leave us wanting. Discipline is about God poking on us and reminding us and drawing us back. It's loving us enough to step into it. I read a memoir once about a young man who had a very troubled life, very troubled upbringing. His parents' marriage was falling apart. His dad was an alcoholic. His mom had serious issues. And, and at 12, he was given to her therapist to go live with him. At 13, he began a sexual relationship with a 30-year-old man Therapist convinced him to, to fake a suicide attempt so he could pull him out of school. 
This was the life that he was living. And he tells a story where he wrote a note to someone he thought was cute. And he went into a store and gave the note and walked out around the corner and looked through a mirror to watch this note being read. And what he saw was a group of people laughing at what he'd written. So it's not a good book. You don't need to go read it. But I read something next that has stuck with me ever since then. Because what this young man said was, at that point in my life, all I had were options. What I needed was someone to love me enough to say no. What I needed was someone to love me enough to say no. That's what discipline is. It's when God steps into our lives to protect us from our worst instincts, from our worst desires. When God says, you don't understand what's coming, but I do, and I am going to move in to your story. It leads us to the second thing we want to take away about discipline, and that's this, that discipline is more about the heart and less about the action. It's more about the heart and less about the action. Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We see that getting to these heart issues, not just changing external behavior, but teaching them, leads them down a path that they can continue for the rest of their lives. Proverbs 23.26 says, Oh my son, give me your heart. Not just your action, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. Discipline is more about the heart and less about the action. Now, let me say this up front. It's not not about the action, right? It's not not about the action. I'm not saying that we don't care about the action at all. We need it. Sometimes you just need to say, stop doing that. Sometimes that's appropriate. If your kid is about to run out into the street, then yes, I would venture to say, please lean into that moment and ask them to stop doing that. And you may even ask them with your voice raised a little bit because you're concerned about them. You're like, ah, stop, we're going to get back here. We want to lean into that action. But it's the difference between long-term and short-term. Short-term, or stop doing that deals with the immediate. It deals with the short-term. Why are you doing that deals with the long-term. There's short-term and there's long-term consequences. We don't just want immediate action. What we want is long-term growth. And God has the same heart for us. Now, some of you might be saying, no, 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 no. I just want short-term action. Like, they just, they really need to stop doing that. Really do. I have three kids. I'm with you. Sometimes, for the love of all that is good and right in the world, just please stop what you're doing. I get it. But the challenge is for us to lean into that moment, to lean into that experience. What's going on in your heart? What's driving that action? Because engaging in the heart stuff helps us address things that may not have short-term consequences, but will absolutely have long-term consequences. Things like being disrespectful. That doesn't have a ton of short-term consequences, except, you know, your brain explodes. But it's got a lot of long-term consequences. If that goes unchecked, that's going to affect their relationships, their workplace, their friendships. That's going to affect everything. Getting to the heart issue helps us dig into those things. Merely wanting to elicit correct behavior from your kids says more about you than it says about them. Because what that says is that you just want their action in the moment to stop and you don't love them enough to engage in it. And now listen, I'm not saying that I've never had a moment where it's like, just stop and I freak out. No, of course I have. But how do we, I think yesterday, right? But it's like, and all, not this morning only because I left before they were awake. <laughs> just didn't have an opportunity to sin yet. 
But we want to lean into that because we care about their hearts. We love our children. And if you're sitting here and you don't love your children, that's the most important thing first. And you, I just, you, please, that's so, you need to love them. Do that. Love your kids. But we need to love them enough to care about who they are and not just in the short term and the long term. It's hard. There's moments where I don't feel like it. How long can I send you to time out? Six, seven hours? I don't know. When will child services show up? We feel like that at times. But that's my issue. That's not theirs. That's my heart problem. How do I love them enough to move into their story and walk with them? Because that's exactly what God has modeled for us. God doesn't just care about action. If he did, we're in trouble because none of our actions will ever be good enough. We will always fall short. But God cares about the heart and so he moves towards us to say, I wanna work in you and change you. I want you to understand what's going on and I wanna replace the wrong things with me. Discipline, it's not just about correcting wrong action. It's about leading the heart that that action derived from to a place of understanding and obedience. That's what we're talking about. Kids are different. Kids have different stages. Lean into those things. Their actions may drive you crazy, but their heart is what you really care about. Their heart's what you really care about. And what we want to do, the goal of this whole thing is moving them to a different place, right? We start out doing bad things for bad reasons. And then a little bit of growth is not doing something for bad reasons, right? And then we move on to not doing something for good reasons. But what we really want to end up is doing something for good reasons. We want to do good for good reasons. That's where we want to end up. That's where we want to move towards. Not doing something to avoid consequences is motivation by fear, and that's not necessarily bad. There are th- good things to be afraid about. But we don't want to just stop there, both for our children and for us. We want to do something because it's right and true and good because that's motivation by love. That's where we want to get to. That's much healthier. That's sustainable. It's much more successful in the long run. Moving by fear only means that they're going to do it only because you said so because they're terrified of the consequences. And my question to you is what happens when you're not right there? I follow better when I understand why. Engage them in that. Lean into that with them. Discipline is is more about the heart and less about the action because when we see hearts changed, actions change too. And that's what God wants to see from us, our hearts, to be transformed by who he is. Last thing we see here about discipline is that discipline is rooted in love. It's rooted in love. Has to be. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 say, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. The Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The Lord corrects those he loves. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now that's crazy, right? That feels counterintuitive because isn't it, well, don't I want to just give my my kid good things? I mean, don't I want to make their life easy? Don't don't I want to give them everything I didn't have? Don't I, I don't, I don't want conflict. I want them to like me, right? No, your job is not for your kids to like you. Literally, your job is for them to respect you and to learn from you. If they like you, that's ancillary, but I'd say that's some crazy stuff because you know what? You just wait. They get older, stuff changes. Or at least that's what you're hoping for. T- 
teaching doesn't mean you may not like what I'm going to say, but I love you enough to say it. What I deeply want is people that love me enough to speak truth. I don't want empty relationships where I hear fluff. I want people that love me enough to say hard things. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Doesn't mean it's not going to sting, but I want people, that's how I know I'm loved because they care enough about me to engage in that. And that's what God models here. He disciplines us because he loves us. Hebrews 12 says it even more clearly. Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Listen to this. This is, this is important. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. They're not pretending this is good. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living, of righteousness for those who are trained in this way. The Bible leans into that and says, it's not fun. It's, it hurts. But the end is so much better. God disciplines us to bring us to a place of greater obedience because he loves us. We are rebellious. We, we act rashly. We make selfish and foolish decisions. When Proverbs says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, man, I could say that about me. We're all sinful. Every one of us is sinful. We deserve judgment for what we've done. We deserve judgment for rebelling. We deserve judgment for saying, I don't need you, God. I can do this on my own. But God loves us. He loves us. So much so that he steps into our lives in ways that he does not have to so that we might be drawn to him and find what we've been looking for the whole time. Discipline is that course correction. Discipline is us steering ourselves off a cliff and God reaching in and grabbing the handlebars and taking us to safety. We may not like it most often because we don't understand it, but that is God loving us. God works in us and he works through us. And he does that to change us. We see God's love that he changes us. He makes us new. He sets a standard that we fall short of but he sent his son to meet that standard for us and he sent his spirit to move us toward that standard. God says, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna work in you. I'm gonna make this happen. And, and without understanding that, without understanding the restorative nature of discipline, the painful stuff we go through isn't hopeful at all. It feels pointless. But if we can view it through the lens of love, if we can understand that this is God caring for us, that God not only doesn't hate us when he disciplines us, God does that because he loves us. It allows us to see things with a different perspective. God is seeking to love and to care for and to protect us. When I was growing up, we had a dog. We had a little golden retriever. He was kind of the runt of the litter and he just had this great personality. He was this awesome dog. His name was Dakota. Look at that face. How could you not love that face? He was, a, he was a pretty smart dog, which was both a blessing and a curse, but he's just, just the sweetest temperament, great to be around. And we got an electric fence one year so he could be outside more. And uh, if you have an electric fence, you know there's a whole training process involved. I thought you just put a collar on, it'll keep him away, but it's like, oh right, he can't see the fence and he's a dog, so we probably need to train him. And so what they did at least then is you put this collar around their neck and you walk them on a leash up to where the wire's been buried in the ground. And when you get close, within a couple feet, it starts to beep as a warning so the dog knows, okay, that's a sound, you know, that's a thing. And then you walk him up to the line to get zapped a little bit so he knows, oh, that's bad. 
So he begins to associate, beeping is bad. I don't want to be around the beep. And as he learned that, we could let him outside and he'd go run around and he loved it. But every so often, he'd get this like look in his eye where he'd sit at the top of the driveway and look out and be like, hmm, it looks pretty good out there. I'm going to go for it. And you'd see him, and you'd see it starting to percolate in his head, and then he'd just take off like a shot down the driveway, and you hear a little yip when he got to the, dr- the end of the driveway because that's where he got shocked. And he's out running around, and he's frolicking, and he's finally free. There's one big problem, though. He's kind of a wimpy dog. So when he'd run out like this, he'd get beat up and, and kind of messed with by these other dogs. And, and so sometimes he'd come back and he'd be hungry and he'd be wet because it'd been raining and he'd have kind of marks on him because he'd been beaten up by some other dogs. And, and he'd sit at the end of the driveway looking at me because he's like, I'm not an idiot. I know it hurt coming out. I'm not doing it back in. You know, take the collar off and walk him in. And what's fascinating is we wanted him to know that this was home, right? When you train a dog and you pull him back towards the middle after the shock, you love him. You're like, good dog. That's a good boy. Good dog. Because you want him to know you're loved in the yard. You're cared for in the yard. You're protected in the yard. You're safe in the yard. This is your home. We're not saying don't go out there because we want to keep you from better things. We're saying we want you to stay here because this is where you're safe. This is home. There's nothing out there that is better for you than what, it, than what we have here. That's exactly what God is saying to us through discipline. God isn't threatened by our desires. I mean, that's laughable. It's the sovereign Lord of the universe. He created everything. Like we could possibly come up with something that he's like, ooh, that sounds nacho cheese with other kinds of cheese. That's a great idea. He's not impressed. God's saying, I created you and I know you and I know what, you, what, what makes you whole. I know what you're looking for to begin with. He's not saying, I like bossing you around. I'm going to withhold from you because I can. He's saying, your tiny little pea brains, and I include myself in this, your tiny little pea brains cannot possibly comprehend the goodness of what I have in store for you. So please, for the love, don't do anything stupid. That's a paraphrase, a little bit of a paraphrase. But so you get the gist of it. God isn't out to ruin our fun. God wants us to trust him and obey him because he has good things for us greater things than we could ever possibly find on our own, the things that our souls long for and crave. Frankly, discipline is God saying to us, I love you enough to be invested in your journey. I love you enough to allow life to be hard that you might learn how much you need me. God disciplines us to bring us to a place of greater obedience because he loves us. God's discipline doesn't cast us away. It draws us closer. It removes those things that keep us from him. The pain is God chipping away at that stuff that we put in front of him. Whether it's a relationship, it's an achievement, it's stuff. Whatever those things are, it's an addiction, it's a lifestyle. Whatever those things are, the pain is God chipping away at those things that we built up that take his place Because what he wants for us is to experience a closeness that we can't until this is removed. Sometimes we experience discipline because there's sin in our lives. And that sin needs to be confessed and repented of. Because sometimes we rely on our own understanding of sin and we base it all off of, you know, well, I don't feel bad about that. But the question is not, do I feel bad about it? The question is, how does God feel about it? 
Are we holding ourselves to God's standards or are we creating a, a standard for ourselves? Sometimes we experience that kind of discipline because it's the only way to get our attention. And God loves us enough to allow that to happen. But sometimes we experience discipline because God wants to grow us and stretch us. It's not because of specific sin, but God wants to do something in us. And we have a hard time with that because we, we like to think that knowing God means that life will be all sunshine and lollipops. That being a Christian means constant blessings and good things and everybody gets a unicorn and life is great and there's rainbows everywhere and everything's happy. But being a, it's not what being a follower of Jesus means. When we have that view, we can get angry because when life's not a fairy tale, it's like, God, well, you're not doing what I want, but the Bible never promises 24-7 happy, fun, good times. In fact, these verses promise the opposite, that being a child of God means that he loves us enough to grow us into something greater, not to settle for what we are now, but to challenge us and grow us into what he's created us to be. How can you tell the difference? How can you tell the difference? When there's discipline because of sin in your life and discipline because God's just trying to grow you, and I'd say that's a, that's a great question. Ask him. I can't answer that for you. Ask him. Spend time praying with him. Spend time in his word. Spend time in the Bible. We, you'll hear us talk about reading the Bible, and listen, that's not because we get kickbacks from Bible manufacturers, okay? I checked. We don't. We want you to read that because that's God's heart being poured out to you. That's God's love letter to people. That's God saying, I want you to understand who I am and what it looks like to know me. And so I put it in a book for you. Understand God's heart. Discipline doesn't cast us away. It draws us closer to him. I want to leave you with three words. I want to leave you with three words that give us a picture not only of God's attitude of towards us in discipline, but things that we can do if you're a parent to model that kind of discipline to your kids. The first is, is this, define. Define. Set expectations. Communicate clearly. That's what God has done. He's laid out what it means to know him, what it means to follow him. He's laid that out for us and do the same thing. Be clear with expectations. Be clear with what you're communicating. That can serve as a warning when we do that well. Don't be mysterious. Engage with your kids the way that God has engaged with us. Second thing is follow through. If you say you're going to do it, do it. That's what God has done. That's why we can trust him as the promise keeper because God has done what he said he would do. He has been faithful over and over and over and over again. The Bible is our collective record of God's faithfulness to his people. So we know he'll be faithful. And so the challenge for us is to do the same thing. The emptiest threat in the history of the world is a parent saying, I'm not going to tell you again. Yes, you are. A hundred more times. And that's okay. Follow through, both on the good and the bad. Follow through with consequences. If you love your kids, you don't want to see them hurt. I don't enjoy that. I want to buy my kids nothing but Legos and baby dolls. But you know what? I don't love them well when I do that. And so I need to follow through on consequences just like I need to follow through on keeping my word and caring for them when I, when I tell them those sorts of the positive things too. The last thing is this, restore. Define, follow through, and restore. Discipline is to restore a relationship. It's not to send away. Discipline does not end anything. 
Discipline helps things grow deeper. God restores us to him. God doesn't say you've sinned and fallen short and so get away from me. God says you've sinned and fallen short and so I will send my son for you so you can know me and be with me again. Discipline restores relationship. How do you love your kids and discipline them in a way that brings them back in that says, I love you and I care about you and this isn't okay, but that doesn't change how I feel about you and I believe in you and I support you. How do we do that in a way that restores, that builds up, that doesn't break down and destroy? Discipline is a hard thing, man. It's hard for us to do as parents. It's harder for us to experience it doesn't always make sense and it can feel like God doesn't care, but I, I, I hope you take away the exact opposite, that when we experience the discipline of God, it is absolutely because he loves us. That we have the right to be treated as children. We don't need to be concerned when there's discipline in our lives. We need to be concerned when it's not there. It's God disciplines those whom he loves because he cares and is invested in them. Why don't you bow your heads with me as we close?